Hello, and thank you for joining us today for Frost and Sullivan's latest webinar from our Aerospace Defense and Security Practice. Today's event is titled Global Commercial Aerospace Outlook, Emerging Growth Opportunities. My name is Anna, and I oversee Frost and Sullivan's Growth Innovation and Leadership Briefings. Today's presenter is Timothy Cooter, Senior Industry Analyst. Timothy has over 28 years of aerospace industry experience. Timothy has a deep understanding of the aerospace and technology convergence, and he also helps support established aerospace companies and the startups alike in developing their growth strategies. You can follow him on his Twitter and his LinkedIn. With that, I would now like to hand the presentation over to Timothy. Thank you, Anna. Thank you very much for that warm introduction. Uh, I would like to thank everybody out there uh, listening in on today's webcast. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and great evening to wherever in the world you might be, uh, might be listening in. So today's, today's subject is on uh, commercial aerospace market uh, outlook for 2019. We are coming off a year in 2018 of growth. Um, a lot of exciting things going on, and uh, we will we will get right into it here. So today's uh, focal points are uh, we're gonna we're gonna go over the uh, the projected 2019 delivery plan. We're also gonna look at the scorecard from 2018. We're gonna do a regional overview across the globe on commercial aircraft. We're gonna talk about trends. Uh, shaping the aerospace landscape, uh, including uh, digitalization of aerospace, supply chain and vertical integration, and then we're going to talk about the future of electrification and the eVTOL space. It's kind of lagging behind a little bit there. We should come back. There we go to the slide we're looking for. Um, so talking about deliveries, so in 2018 we uh, we saw 1,853 uh, delivery of commercial aircraft. Um, you'll see on the bar on the left-hand side there, the, uh, uh, a lot of those uh, were the, the narrow-body, single-aisle aircraft. Uh, looking forward into 2019, we are looking at 2,027 deliveries, and that's an increase of about 9.4%. Um, Throughout 2018, we saw the suppliers uh, really, really push to the limits. Uh, times when the aircraft were uh, were piling up there at the factory, just waiting on on parts. Uh, with the increase in production, 2019 is uh, it's, it is going to be a challenging year for for the suppliers. Moving forward, we'll uh, we'll start talking about. Uh, <clears throat> Some of the platform uh, platforms uh, for the Boeing company. Um, obviously, that that single aisle aircraft, the seven three seven. Twenty nineteen, we should see the uh, the NGs, the next gens uh, production uh, coming to a completion as the backlog is well under a hundred now, and uh, that'll that'll help out to uh, get to producing all seven three seven Maxes out of uh, the Renton factory there. <clears throat> Um, the overall backlog for the 737 platform 
is at 4,763. Moving on to the 787, we'll, there's uh, projected 150 units uh, moving up about uh, 10 of an increase in production from uh, 2018 to 2019. Current backlog on the 787 is around 622 units. Um, the 777X uh, should be going into flight test this year. Uh, there's a backlog of around 105 uh, of the legacy 777 uh, that the Boeing company is still uh, getting produced. And then the uh, 777X has a backlog of 326. Um, moving on to the, the uh, 747, which uh, celebrating its 50th year, also uh, looks like it's going to be coming to an end of production. Um, projected out there about uh, 2022. Uh, the backlog on the 747 is down to 24. Um, program got uh, revived a little bit with the UPS orders. Um, sad thing, it was a, a great aircraft. I've, I've had the honor of uh, getting to work on that aircraft uh, quite a bit uh, throughout my career with uh, several different companies. There's something about that 747 seeing it take off of the runway that's just uh, absolutely majestic. Um, last, uh, with the Boeing company, I'd like to talk about the uh, the NMA. So uh, Boeing just recently made the announcement that uh, they pushed off the uh, um, the decision on that uh, mid-market aircraft uh, to 2020. Um, what we do know about the platform is that Boeing has around a thousand people assigned to the project for research and development, and they, uh, there, there is a belief that there's a, uh, a gap out there in the market that uh, needs a platform uh, to take the place of the aging uh, 757s and 767s. And then before we move on to Airbus, uh, also during 2019, we do expect uh, the Boeing company to get the, uh, the Embraer deal finalized. So the, the E-Jets will be uh, joining the, the Boeing family uh, in, later in 2019. Moving on to Airbus, <laughs> we'll start out with the uh, the new the new kid on the block uh, in Airbus as uh, 2018 did uh, did show the completion of uh, the deal for for Bombardier uh, joining uh, Airbus and uh, transforming that C series into the A220 aircraft. The backlog on the A220 uh, stands at about uh, 480 aircraft, and uh, plan is to produce about. 68 of those uh, those platforms uh, in 2019. Airbus uh, also uh, is has the A320, which is uh, obviously the the flagship for the uh, for the manufacturer. You got an astronomical backlog for the A320 family at uh, 6,056 going into 2019. Um, the production of uh, a320 family aircraft uh, is planning on 
up to 680. So that's uh, really going to uh, stretch that thin. The the one excellent thing that uh, that Airbus has going for the A320 family is they are manufacturing that aircraft on three uh, separate continents: uh, China, North America, and Europe, and a couple locations there. Moving on to the A350 uh, competitor with the 787. Planning on 110 deliveries uh, for 2019. The backlog is a little bit uh, more on the A350 uh, than the 787 at uh, 659 as we closed out 2018. Um, Airbus does uh, has stated that they're uh, looking at a uh, new engine option for the A350, uh, looking into the future for efficiencies. Um, and then the a330 did get the first Neo uh, delivered. Uh, the backload, the back backlog for the A330s is uh, 295, and uh, 235 of those are with the uh, new engine option. So we do expect the the uh, the CEO version to be uh, closing out uh, soon, uh, ending production on those. And then the the big news here in the past uh, the past few weeks is the the A380 uh, due to some cancellations of orders uh, we end up with only 17 remaining to uh, manufacture and they are expecting to finish the uh, production on the A380 in 2021. And now I'm going to pass it back over to Anna for the first poll question. Thank you, Timothy. Audience, I have just pushed out our first poll question, so if you can take a moment to select your answer, and we'll reveal the results later. But the poll question is, which region has the highest demand for commercial aircraft? Is it North America, Europe, Asia Pacific, Middle East, Africa, or Latin America? So I'll hand it back over to Timothy. Thank you very much, Anna. And now we will jump into the regions. So the uh, the big things to note, just uh, on a high level, looking at this uh, at, at this chart here, is the uh, the number of aircraft that went into the APAC at 803. Uh, this is uh, for 2018. Um, Obviously, a high high demand, and about half of those were uh, going to China alone. Um, that 418. Uh, India took 107 uh, aircraft, and Japan uh, took 50. And then uh, Indonesia, the Philippines, and Malaysia all took uh, in the high 20s. As far as airlines. Uh, China Southern Airlines took 72 uh, units. China Eastern took 67. Indigo uh, India there took uh, 46. Um, as far as the APAC goes, we do expect it to uh, continue uh, continue with the <clears throat> with the demand that it's uh, that it's been showing. The the uh, next highest uh, 
demand for aircraft was uh, was the European region, and the United Kingdom and Russia took uh, 76 and 75 aircraft. Ireland took 54. And then the the rest of those uh, 437 aircraft kind of were kind of dispersed across the region. Um, again, the narrow body is the uh, the hot platform in the Europe region. Um, as far as airlines, uh, Ryanair there out of Ireland actually took the most. They took about 51 of those 54 aircraft uh, at Ryanair, and uh, Aeroflot. Uh, and Russia Airlines took uh, 40 aircraft, and the EasyJet took 33. Moving on to North America, um, United States took uh, 244 aircraft out of those 375. Uh, notable Delta Airlines and its connection partners uh, took almost uh, 100 of those 244 aircraft, so they have been updating their fleet uh, updating their fleet aggressively. Uh, Southwest took 44 aircraft and uh, American took 22. Uh, Canada uh, has uh, been rounding out their uh, their deliveries on uh, the 787s and then uh, notable WestJet has, did take uh, their first uh, 787 uh, newer airline up there in Canada. Uh, moving on to Middle East and Africa, this uh, this is a region that is a little bit a uh, little bit skewed from the rest of the globe, as the uh, the wide body demand is uh, is higher than the narrow body in the Middle East and Africa, and that's mainly the Middle East countries, um, United Arab Emirates, uh, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia. Um, took the uh, most amount of aircraft uh, in the region. And then looking at the airlines, it was Qatar Airways uh, took 27, Ethiopian Airlines took 20, 17, and Saudia took 17. And the last region that we will, we will cover here is the Latin America region. And uh, Mexico took 36 aircraft out of the 91 in that region. Uh, Brazil took 17, and Chile took 12. The rest of those uh, 91 aircraft are, are uh, spread across the region. Next, we're going to talk about some of the trends that are shaping the aerospace landscape. Um, there are several trends, and we'll focus on a few. We we know that the trend for the uh, the strength in the narrow body production rates uh, that's going to continue growing for the next uh, few years. We don't expect that to uh, change at all. We we uh, we've been looking at uh, digitalization, and we're going to go in. Uh, a little bit deeper into the digitalization. Also, uh, consolidation and then uh, vertical integration we'll be uh, talking about. Also, uh, high-tech composites and manufacturing processes 
that have uh, really brought uh, new opportunities <coughs> to OEM, <coughs> OEMs, uh, MROs, and suppliers uh, for L-Space. And then we'll talk about the future uh, of uh, aerospace and how it's going to affect commercial aviation in the future with, through electrification and the eVTOL space. And now we are at the next uh, poll question, so I will turn it back over to Anna. Thank you, Timothy. So our second poll question is, which tech space has the most opportunity for digitalization? Is it planning and scheduling, disruption management, marketing, flight operations, or technical operations? Back to you, Timothy. Okay, thank you, Anna. All right, so um, discussing digitalization of aerospace, um, the digitalization of aerospace it includes it includes several things like big data analytics, uh, data integration, uh, Internet of Things, uh, pretty much every aspect of the business is affected by the digitalization and where it's going. And looking at digitalization of aerospace from a high level, um, I think that the only thing that you can say about it is it's convoluted. That uh, there is a lot of space for growth. Um, we've we've seen OEMs, suppliers, third parties all jumping into the race trying to take uh, take their uh, their claim on uh, on this space. It has grown into a $1.5 billion business in 2018, and it's got double-digit growth uh, written all over it for the next uh, several years. I, the the one item that uh, seems that it uh, does have a lot of opportunity is is uh, bringing bringing everything together and uh, creating communication between the between the systems. So it does it does affect uh, from the based on, based on the poll question uh, the answer is really all of them uh, from planning and scheduling uh, which includes network and fleet uh, pricing and forecasting revenue management cargo management uh, sales and distribution uh, including merchandising and distribu distributing and direct connect uh, marketing. Uh, content management, loyalty, programs, merchandising, e-commerce, mobility, and then getting over into, into the other the other business side of it, uh, flight operations, including flight assurance, fuel management, baggage, ground, crew management, tech ops, uh, engineering, materials, configuration, and planning and distribution management also as far as uh, crew scheduling, recovery, and passenger communication. And uh, you'll see on the slide there just uh, a few of the, 
examples of the different uh, companies that have have jumped into this space, and it, it's by far uh, by far not uh, all inclusive of everything that's out there. Um, but we we do have uh, Boeing Analytics listed there, and Airbus Skywise, uh, Honeywell Direct, Go, uh, Go Direct, GE Aviation uh, Predix, uh, Lufthansa Technique Avatar, and Rolls Royce R Squared Data Labs. Next, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, supply chain and vertical integration. Like like I mentioned before, we do expect the uh, the supply chain to be uh, pushed to the limits uh, for sure in 2019, as uh, as it was in 2018. There towards the end of the summer, uh, the backup of, of all the aircraft, um, and it, I don't think anybody was immune from the uh, from the backup. Um, one thing that we we see OEMs doing and suppliers as well, we see a lot of vertical integration, and we expect that vertical integration to continue on. Um, with the with the A320, uh, they're planning on manufacturing uh, an additional 69 aircraft um, over what uh, was manufactured in 2018. And the 737s are uh, planning on adding 80 aircraft to that current cycle. As far as examples on uh, vertical integration, uh, we see all the way from from uh, the raw materials, components, subassemblies, and aftermarket, all being affected by vertical integration. The, they had the announcement for Boeing Company and Safran uh, formed a joint venture to manufacture APUs. GE Aviation here in the last few years is uh, set up to manufacture raw materials for ceramic matrix composites uh, down there in Alabama. And uh, one of one of the one of the items like the Boeing Company instead of uh, pushing for for vendors and suppliers to supply all the different parts of the aircraft, the wings for the 777X were brought back in-house. They built a billion-dollar facility up there in Everett to uh, manufacture those those wings that are composite. And then, as far as the aftermarket goes, uh, there has been expressed from from OEMs and suppliers to get into the aftermarket. Uh, Obviously, in the digital uh, platforms, like we uh, like we already talked about, also even in uh, maintenance and aftermarket uh, services. And now we'll uh, go back to Anna to uh, cover the next poll question. Thank you, Timothy. This is our uh, last poll question, and it reads, what time frame do you anticipate seeing flying cars? Is it 2020 through 2024, 2025 through 2029, 2030 to 2034, 2035 to 2040, or after 2040? 
So uh, select your, your answer, and we'll reveal the results uh, later in the, in the session. Over to you, Timothy. All right, thank you very much, Anna. And uh, now moving on to the next space is electrification and eBTOL. So we have been looking at this, uh, this space, and 2018 it really did uh, show a, a big turn in, uh, in both of these spaces, the electrification and eVTOL. So electrification, it, it does include uh, a lot of times people talk about it and they say, hey, wait a second, that's, uh, that's already being done on the 787 because there's so many electrified systems. So it does include that, but we're, we're more uh, looking at the space of electric propulsion, which um, pretty much every, uh, every supplier and OEM has at least uh, entered, entered this space for, for electrification and eVTOL. There's been uh, several transactions uh, of companies uh, being uh, picked up or at least heavily invested in. Um, from Airbus down on your uh, lower left of your screen there, you'll see the uh, EFAN. And then uh, Aurora Flight Sciences there on the uh, right-hand lower that uh, the Boeing company has uh, invested in. Uh, that Zoom, Zoom also on the top left, uh, Boeing has invested in that company. Um, along with this... Uh, Along with this space, you know, it's like there's been a lot of startups uh, that uh, that have surfaced, uh, hundreds, hundreds of them. Um, some of the major constraints, obviously, the battery, and uh, it seems uh, several several people that you talk to that are out there are very close to the to the uh, market. Uh, I'll talk about trying to find that magic battery. Also, for sure, with the uh, with the eVTOL space, the air traffic control is a major concern, and we we don't really think that that's going to be a viable option until um, we do get autonomy uh, approved and uh, working to the point where the uh, general flying public can can trust it. And then there's the certification concerns uh, that um, is just uh, it's holding up not only electrification but also the uh, the the whole EV VTOL market uh, due to the have to fly around congested areas and whatnot. As far as uh, that battery technology, uh, we're looking at probably later 20s before the, that that can be available and it's probably going to be in a race with uh, with autonomy and air traffic control and now we will uh, we will wrap this up with a conclusion um, so we talked about the uh, production in 2019. Um, that uh, almost double-digit increase in production and, uh, and the high demand for narrow-body aircraft. 
we do expect that high demand in the APAC region to continue on and the digitalization will grow. Uh, the, the end user, the customers, airlines would be very, very welcoming to any, uh, anybody that can provide a, uh, a turnkey uh, platform that, uh, that, can, that, that can do it all. Course. And then we do uh, we do believe the the su supply chain is going to be pushed to the limit uh, in 2019. That, uh, that's probably going to be the one thing that uh, that holds up uh, these OEMs from uh, from meeting their goal is if the suppliers can't keep up, and uh, <clears throat> OEMs will continue looking for any any means and any uh, abilities for vertical integration. And then last we talked about that future of uh, aerospace with electrification and the EV tall space. And uh, we, we do believe that that's going to press forward uh, with uh, research and development. We, we don't know if we're that optimistic about it being a 2022 or 2023 uh, market entry for any of those guys. All right, and now I will pass it back over to Anna. Hey, Timothy, so quickly I'm going to go over the results of the three poll questions, and then we'll move on to the question and answer session. So the first poll question, which region has the highest demand for commercial aircraft, the majority of our audience 100% indicated Asia-Pacific. The uh, second poll question that, uh, that we asked, which tech space has the most opportunity for digitalization, 100% of our audience uh, indicated disruption management. And lastly, we asked the, uh, the poll question on the time frame uh, for flying cars, and it looks like we have that time frame is anywhere from 2020 to 2024. So thanks again for those that have uh, participated in our poll questions. So we're going to move forward into our live questions here. We'll try to answer as many questions as uh, possible live. If for some reason we do not get to your question, uh, Timothy will take that offline and get back with you. So uh, let's go ahead and get started on our, our first question here. Now, Timothy, in your presentation, you mentioned the NMA. What direction do you see the decision for the NMA going? Oh, thank you very much for that question. Uh, so the NMA, the the uh, the new mid-market aircraft. Uh, so Airbus believes that their A321 is going to fill that fill that gap uh, for that mid-market. Uh, basically with the 757, uh, it's a, by the way, a great aircraft. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, it's like the surprising part about that 757 is they only manufacture about 1,050 of those, which compared to some of the other airframes is, is it's low. It's, it really is, even with uh, all the success that the 757 and how popular it has been. Um, I think with Boeing uh, moving the decision 
to 2020, it's probably going to be a situation where I believe it will be the the platform that's going to be sought after is going to be something that can replace that, probably replace that uh, single aisle, the 737, uh, with a little bit of uh, upgraded uh, technology um, and possibly materials. Thank you. Very well. Moving on to our next question here. Now, concerning the electrification and electric propulsion, how do you see it entering the market? So I, I see uh, electrification and uh, electric propulsion. Uh, so the way that that we're we're looking at it is the, probably the the first the first uh, platforms that do get to enter that market probably in that 20 to 25 uh, time frame are going to be hybrid, uh, just because the battery technology isn't quite there yet. <clears throat> As uh, as it evolves, that's going to open the gate for um, for electric aircraft to uh, become part of reality for commercial aviation. Um, the other the other part of it is is uh, the what space in commercial aviation is it going to enter? I think. I think that without a doubt, it's probably going to enter in the the regional aircraft um, space first. Uh, regional aircraft aren't that uh, there isn't a high amount of sales. But if <clears throat> if uh, if electrification can take over in that space, it should uh, it should propel that um, to be maybe even one of the uh, the more sought after ways to uh, travel commercially. Thank you, Timothy. So as a reminder, under the Attachments tab, we have um, our existing and upcoming research document, and also we have a link to visit our aerospace defense and security website. Um, our practice does provide global market intelligence thought leadership to execute key growth opportunities and advisory services across six main program areas. So uh, please click on those, uh, those links. And uh, let's move on to our next question here. So I'd like to hear your take on the recent announcement of the A380. Yes, Anna, I, I think that uh for the A380, I don't, I don't think it's really a surprise to a lot of people. It's probably um, a lot of people saw it coming. It's, it, it, it is sad that because uh, it's a magnificent, uh, magnificent aircraft. Um, and I, you know, it's like I, I think that the uh, the 747 has been on the same trajectory uh, for the last uh, several years. And you know, even the, the just the dash eight didn't go over. I, I don't think as uh, as well as uh, what was anticipated uh, from the get go. Very well, and uh, we have one more question here. How do you think the trade wars with China are going to impact the industry? Oh wow, um, yeah. So I think that. 
uh, probably the bigger question on the uh, on on China is uh, will Comac get the uh, the C nineteen nine nineteen going? Um, it's it's been uh, on a slow slow path to uh, in flight tests. Um, the other thing, the other space uh, with with China, you know, I think that Airbus was genius to get that factory going almost a decade ago um, over there for the A320 factory, uh, A320 family, and uh, and it, then you know Boeing got a uh, completion facility uh, going over there for the 737, which I think is a uh, definitely a, a move in the right direction. I'm not sure how how uh, how much it's up and running, but I know they are uh, delivering aircraft out of that space over there, which uh, anything to take some of the pressure off of the uh, Pacific Northwest there is uh, is needed. Thank you. Thank you, Timothy. So this concludes today's session. Now, for those of you that, uh, that joined us in the middle of the session, uh, please know that uh, the on-demand uh, will be available shortly. And uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us today. I have pushed forth our contact details information slide. Uh, we do have Timothy's information. So if you have any additional questions, feel free to reach out to him. Or you can also reach out to, uh, to Jackie, our marketing and communications uh, consultant. Thank you, every much, everyone, for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day.